Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, September 20th. Today's big idea? Why conservatives loved Donald Trump's U.N. speech. For many of the president's core supporters, his appeal has always been more about tone than substance. Many of his supporters don't want their leaders to prevaricate or speak the language of diplomacy. They want a street fighter. And after a week of being frustrated at Trump for cutting deals with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, Chuck and Nancy, as the president likes to call him, that's what a lot of these conservatives saw in Trump's maiden speech to the United Nations General Assembly. Here is the buzziest soundbite of the day. The United States has great strength and patience, but if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. While many media elites were absolutely horrified by Trump's speech yesterday, expressing fear, even panic, that we're marching to war, the base loved that line. It was catnip. As a result, they loved the whole speech. John Bolton, the former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., declared that this was the best speech Trump's ever given because people will remember Trump's threats against Pyongyang. What's interesting is that there was something you could get behind if you were a Republican in that speech, whether you're a traditional conservative who cheered when George Bush focused on promoting democracy abroad or a libertarian who liked Ron Paul and wants to bring the troops home. There was at least one theme for you to embrace. In part, that's what happens whenever a speech is drafted by committee. It's plainly obvious when you look back through the transcript yesterday that different sections were written by different people with different worldviews, some at the U.N. in New York, some at the State Department in Foggy Bottom, some at the White House. The result was a lot of ideological incoherence. In some moments, Trump suggested that his commitment to sovereignty would lead to a less interventionist foreign policy. In other instances, Trump outlined a far more expansive role for the U.S. Trump touted several American-funded global health programs that his budget calls for significantly cutting. He praised the Marshall Plan, which of course rebuilt Europe after World War II, but then he vowed that the United States' days of nation-building are over. The thing is, all of that needle-threading reassured some moderate and establishment Republicans who have been nervous about Trump that he's coming around, that he's getting to the right place, in their view. Among those praising the speech were people who have been pretty critical of Trump on foreign policy. The conservative Wall Street Journal, the editor of National Review magazine, and even Mitt Romney. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, a 7.1 magnitude earthquake struck Mexico City yesterday afternoon, killing more than 200 people across central Mexico. The earthquake came two weeks after an even larger earthquake killed nearly 100 people in the south of the country. Scientists say the same large-scale tectonic mechanism caused both events. Sadly, yesterday's earthquake in Mexico City came on the 32nd anniversary of the notorious 1985 quake that killed thousands in the same area. Luckily, building codes down there have improved. Number two, Hurricane Maria has made landfall in Puerto Rico as a Category 4 hurricane with 155-mile-per-hour winds. The storm's already caused widespread damage this week in the island nation of Dominica and is blamed for at least one death on Guadalupe. This is the first Category 4 storm to directly strike Puerto Rico since 1932. The Hurricane Center says Maria could end up being the most destructive hurricane in the island's history. Number three, a group of 10 governors came out yesterday against the Graham-Cassidy bill to replace Obamacare. It's a significant blow for a bill that has gotten some momentum in recent days and now has the full support of the White House. 
Some of these governors matter because they're from states represented by Republican senators who are weighing whether to back the measure. Two of the governors are Alaska's Bill Walker and Nevada's Brian Sandoval. Walker, who's an independent, has some sway over Lisa Murkowski, who's considered the key swing vote. She voted against the last Republican attempt to repeal the Affordable Care Act, and she's undecided on this one. Dean Heller, who's one of the sponsors of the Graham-Cassidy bill, is in bad shape politically now because he's endorsed this measure, but his very popular Republican governor is against it. Meanwhile, powerful groups like the AARP and the American Hospital Association continue to mobilize against this Graham-Cassidy bill. It's unclear whether the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell will even bring the bill up for a vote next week. He says he's only going to do it if he's certain that he has the votes. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, September 20th. You can read much more, as always, at WashingtonPost.com daily 202. I'm James Homan, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.